Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Potomac Perspective. I'm Neil Shapiro, Head of Corporate Communications at Stiefel, joined as always by our Chief Washington Policy Strategist, Brian Gardner, down in Washington, of course. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm doing well, Neil. It's good to be with you. It's good to be with you as well. Um, I know we always talk sports, although we have a full, I think, agenda in uh, in Washington, but the Giants, your Giants, they almost pulled one out, but almost doesn't count. Doesn't count. Um, and, you know, let me, you know, acknowledge the Jets, you know, yeah. very, very surprising. Um, you know, it's kind of going back to what we said when Aaron Rodgers first went down. As long as Zach Wilson can minimize mm -hmm. the mistakes. Yep. Defense can win games for them, and that's what's happening right now. Um, I still think the Jets have work to do in in terms of, um, you know, playing away from Wilson's weaknesses. I don't think they've done a good enough job on that, and they have to improve. But um, no, it's it, it it was a big win for them uh, taking out one of the undefeated teams for sure. And look, the truth is their schedule gets a little bit better. Yep. They've had a really rough start, so the fact that they could go into a bye after their first six games and being at 500 um, without Rodgers and given the the quality of teams that they've had to play, it says a lot. Um, and the truth is, I and I, I know we say almost doesn't count, but the truth is they very easily could have won that game against Kansas City and they should have won the game that they lost against New England, which is just horrendous i mean they, they may be they may be the worst team in football this year hard to believe we're saying that about the patriots but it's it's you can make that argument i'm gonna i'm gonna you know we have a lot of uh, colleagues and clients who are up in the new england area so i'm going yeah. to keep my my mouth shut on on the patriots lest i um alienate in any of our uh our good friends up there um but uh switching quickly uh still waiting for the Mets to hire a new manager? Yeah, well, I've been interviewing. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, as a uh, as a Fordham just teasing. Alum, as a Fordham alum, I'm going to pitch uh, Ray Montgomery, who's uh, on the uh, on the list of uh, possibilities. So, um, you know, bring back a, a local boy and a, and a Ram uh, back to New York City. I I think it's a great idea. Well, we'll see. I'm really not interviewing, but I'd be open to it. <laughs> uh, sorry, Ron. Um, anyway, all right. Well, well, let's let's get into it because there's a lot to talk about outside of the world of sports. Um, just as we were afraid the Jets would be without much of a quarterback for several weeks since Rogers uh, went down, the House is now without a speaker for I guess it's going on two weeks now. Um, and with each passing day, it seems like we are getting farther and farther away from having a speaker. Um, we've got Representative Jordan, who's now lost two votes and appears to be going in the opposite direction. He, he appears to be getting less support, not more. Um, so I guess the question, Brian, is, is he still the front runner? Does he have a chance? Um, and if it's not going to be him, if he hasn't been able to get the support in two votes, what? why are we to expect that he would get it in three or four votes? Um, so is he still a viable candidate in your mind? So first, you know, I have to acknowledge that our, on our last, last podcast, I was highly confident. That I know were, I didn't bring that up. By the no, way, no, no, I'm. I look, I, I own it. I'm not afraid of it. Um, I was highly confident that there would be a new speaker by now because I thought pressure would be brought to bear, and um, and you know, Republicans would get their act together. Um, and that ha that obviously has not happened. So getting back um, directly to your question, so. 
I, I, I guess I, I, I don't, in terms of being the front runner, he's the only runner right now. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, but he's, so that does make him the front runner. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so no one else is in yet. Um, but that, that's subject to change. Um, uh, he, uh, as you alluded to, he is heading in the wrong direction. He lost 20 votes yesterday. Today, there were 22 no votes. Um, so, um, uh, opposition seems to be building. And I think we could be at a damn breaking moment where it really breaks open against him um, Mm -hmm. uh, in the next vote. Um, If there is a next vote, I think they're still strategizing about what they're what they're going to do. Um, But the odds of Jordan getting the uh, the speakership, I think, are are quite low at this point. I mean, going into the weekend, I thought or coming out of the weekend, I should say, I thought he had some momentum. I mean, there there, there seemed to be a move. and a lot of people did. It wasn't just yeah, you. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, that was the. Uh, there, there were still outstanding questions, but there were there were significant there were significant announcements by significant members who may have been knows that they were going to support him, but it, it clearly has not been enough. Um, it is a combination of kind of centrist Republicans and what I would refer to as institutionalists, maybe conservative members, but who um, are longer serving and care more about the institution than other members, um, and don't like the burn it all down tactics that Jordan has been associated with throughout his congressional career. And I think that's come back to, to bite him. So, um, I think he gets probably another vote. Um, and then really the pressure will be on for him to, to step aside and, and Republicans will have to decide what to do after that. And I think, well, I'm not highly confident. I think the most likely um, uh, scenario is to give Speaker Pro Tem Patrick McHenry uh, expanded powers. Um, uh, he has limited powers uh, to basically keep the lights on in the House and conduct yeah. votes on on this for the speakership, but not to move legislation. Um, there is opposition, and why I'm not totally sold on this is that there is opposition among conservative Republicans um uh, about doing this uh, it would require some democratic buy-in and i don't know um what the asking price is by democrats to support this i mean they they would want they would certainly want limits on mchenry's uh powers if, if this is the scenario that plays out and they may ask for something in return and i don't know what that is committee ratios promises on certain votes um, we don't know yet but that that seems to be the most likely, but there are then you would then turn to other candidates for speaker that have kind of yet to step up. They also would face the same problem that everybody else has fit. The McCarthy's faced, that Steve Scalise has faced now that Jim Jordan is facing that getting to 217 is nearly impossible. Um, So that, so that, so that I'll 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 throw it back out. I'll throw it out there because I've mentioned it in some notes. I, I think it's a long shot. But I don't totally dismiss the idea of a Kevin McCarthy comeback. Yeah. So that was going to be my question. So if they give these expanded powers that you talked about, that's a, that's a Band-Aid, right? That's not a full-time solution. That's a stopgap. It would be a stopgap. It, right. it would probably be temporary. His 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 expanded powers would probably come with an expiration date. Right. Um, Year-end, early 24 um, are possibilities. Right. Um, and but we also know in Washington expiration dates have a tendency have a tendency tendency to get oh, a second. I mean, I mean it, yeah, it can be re-upped, there's no doubt. But um yeah. there would be, you know, probably some kind of explicit 
limits on what could be considered on the House floor. Um, so you mentioned, and I, you've thrown this out before, as a possibility that Kevin McCarthy somehow resurfaces. But um, you also mentioned that a lot of these other potential con- contenders would run into the same problems that that Jordan has. So I guess, is there anybody else on the radar that we should be thinking about? Um, or is it just really like anyone's guess at this point? It's anybody's guess. It, it really is. There, there are a couple of um, committee chairmen um, that have been mentioned. Congressman Gallagher, who's running a select committee on China. His name has come up. Um, uh, um, uh, the chairman of the Homeland Security Committee, uh, Congressman Green from Tennessee, his name has come up. But the, but people are throwing names out there right now. There, uh, you know, I, I I'm sure there are conversations going on regarding um, these and others. But I think these are very preliminary conversations, and and I I'm not sure that there are serious conversations about you know to 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 coalesce around somebody else. Now, um, in the interim, we have and maybe I'm misstating this, but it seems like the house now is effectively frozen in terms of what can be done. And I, I guess my question to you, Brian, is, is that true? And how does it impact things? Like, I mean, we've got president Biden in Israel today, you know, pitching a humanitarian and military aid package that I'm assuming will have to go through Congress. But while this is all going on, can really, we expect any activity uh, out of Congress, specifically the house. Now, the, the House has been frozen. It, it hasn't been a crisis yet because the Senate's been out of session. And since you need two to tango in a bicameral legislature, um, uh, you know, not having the Senate around really kind of gave the House an out. Um, but now that the Senate's back and the situation in the world has gotten more serious um, with uh, the situation in the Middle East. Um, as you mentioned, there will be an aid package coming up. Um, it's going to be... Um, uh, complicated by um, the the probable um, uh, proposal that it that aid to Israel be coupled with aid to Ukraine, aid to Ukraine being um, less politically popular. Yeah. Um, that the that aid to Israel could pave the way for uh, for additional aid to Ukraine. Um, those are sticky issues that any speaker is going to have to work through. Um, but you know it's going to have to be handled at some point. Um, along with questions about border funding and a government shutdown. Um, well, that was good. Yeah. That, that... No, go ahead. No, I was going to say that's where I was going next, because we talk about all this legislation that could, you know, be stalled. But then you've also got, what, what are we, three weeks, less than a month, three weeks away from the next deadline? Where, where I think 29 days or 30 days is worth speaking today. Um, uh, November 17th is the expiration of the continuing resolution. I, 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 I think it's very clear at this point that um, the CR is going to be extended. Uh, even even Jordan, who is not a fan of continuing resolutions, you know, signaled that um, he would support a CR. I mean, it, it, this this impasse has just made it impossible to work on the individual appropriations bills. Um, and so if they're not going to be finished, then you're left with no choice. And uh, I think even the conservatives understand the situation is kind of different from normal politics. So they're, they're going to support um, probably support most, at least most of them to get, to get it across the finish line with support of CR. 
how long that goes on, I don't know. Maybe yeah. into December, end of the year, into early next year. Um, and then, you know, depending on when that all gets finished, um, you have the debt ceiling uh, deal that was struck back in the spring, which has a provision that if appropriations bills aren't done, the spending bill is not in place on January 1. Well, um, there are, you know, automatic reductions in uh, in defense spending. Um, so that's looming out there as another threat. So there's there's a lot going on and Congress really needs to get going uh, to to wrap up these matters by the end of the year. I'm, I'm having a, uh, a feeling that uh, November and December are not going to be happy holidays uh, in the uh, Brian Gardner household. Yeah, it seems that way. And then, so we've talked about, you know, what's going on in Congress or what's not going on in Congress. We talked about tensions rising in the Middle East. And then um, there appears to be a potential escalation of tensions with China as well, right? We've got, while all this is going on, you've got President Biden, uh, the Biden administration making more moves on um, the whole chip issue and limiting what chips can go to China. Is I mean, fill us in on that. And so, um, we're expecting the administration to announce soon uh, more limits, new limits on the exporting of chips to China, um, specific, with an eye on uh, AI-related uh, chips. Um, also kind of closing some, um, some loopholes um, where uh, chips could be sold to, um, to companies with operations outside of China that have affiliates in China and use those other countries, third third party countries as a backdoor to China, kind of closing down that loophole. Um, obviously, that's not going to go over well uh, with the Chinese. Um, uh, and so, you know, we had the Kumbaya movement of a couple of months ago when you had administration officials uh, meeting in China with with uh, Chinese government officials. And it seemed like tensions were cooling, but I, I, you know, as I warned at the time, I said I, th I thought that would be short lived. Um, that there, there were more actions on the horizon, and I think and here we are. Here we are. Uh, and look, there, there's more that the administration can do as well. I mean, this, this may not be the, the last stop on this train. Um, it, uh, cloud related services are not uh, involved in, in the action that we're expecting. Um, that you know, so they could be added in later on. And sort of unrelated, but really related, um, we've also got this review of um, tariffs on Chinese exports that is expiring. Um, and you've talked about that before. Is there anything new on that? Before. Yeah, there's nothing really new, but I do think we're getting closer to an announcement. Um, uh, and and I, I believe that the the likely outcome is that the the 2018 uh, tariffs on Chinese exports are going to be largely extended. There may be a couple of exceptions um, here and there, but I think they'll be, um, they will be exceptions. They'll be small in number, uh, few and far between. Um, and we'll get some announcement in, in the coming weeks and months. Um, you know, as we have discussed before, um, especially going into 2024, the administration is going to want to look tough on China. And I think that's yeah. what these, uh, the, the the imminent announcement that we're expecting plus the tariffs i think that's going to i think the administration is going to try and boost those both uh and, and boast about those i should say as um as signs of uh the president's uh toughness on china well also the um 
and correct me if I'm wrong, the tariffs that you're speaking of were put in place by the Trump administration. Correct. So to your point, if you want, if the current administration wants to look tough on China um, and the and the election ends up being Biden and Trump, this becomes an even bigger issue because Trump's the one that, that um, you know, levied these tariffs in the first place. Yes, um, absolutely. I mean, in, uh, in a, uh, a replay of 2020, um, if we have another Biden-Trump uh, election, I think it will be, um, you know, the, the administration is not going to take the risk of repealing uh, or letting expire Donald Trump's tariffs yeah. um, and giving him a, uh, a real strong talking point uh, in the yeah. campaign. And I assume before we go, Brian, because I, I think we've, we're pretty much out of time, we've exhausted a lot of topics. I assume that in that 2024 scenario, nothing has changed from your calculus in terms of the campaign. We're still looking at most likely a, re, uh, a rematch. I, I think so. Um, you know, on the Republican side, I will say, um, you know, third quarter um, fundraising numbers have been released the last couple of days. And um, there are some pretty clear signs of how how candidates have done in what I refer to as the money primary, the fundraising mm-hmm. primary. Um, and the former vice president, Mike Pence, uh, has uh, it has very few uh, has very little cash on hand is in, yep. in uh, is, it, his fundraising is drying up. Um, Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina, I think he still has some money, but a, a super PAC that is closely aligned with him has canceled TV ads Uh in his, uh, for him. So I think you're going to probably see the console, a, a little bit of the consolidation of the race. Yeah. I'm not convinced that makes a difference. Um, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not convinced that, you know, if Pence were to get out tomorrow, hypothetically that Mike Pence supporters go running to Donald Trump. Um, I'm, well, it's interesting. I'm, I know I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure where they go, but I, I, yeah, it, it's such a small number. I don't know that it, it fundamentally it matters. Yeah, I will say, and this is just anecdotal, I have no scientific evidence for it, but I, I, it does appear to me that Pence is making more sort of earned media appearances than I've ever seen him before. I mean, I've seen him doing several interviews over the past two weeks, and I don't know if it's just to take advantage of the foreign policy situation or if it's to your point, he's out of money and he's got to do something to get himself back in the center and and maybe this is it. But I, I do notice him popping up more than um, certainly more than the other candidates and more than I've seen him, uh, you know, in the past. It, it, it could be. But, um, you know, I, I think the, the main takeaway is that, you know, there there are several candidates on the Republican side that are starting to run short on money. And then this is kind of natural. You know, we see this in, commonly in presidential campaigns that, you know, the there's a consolidation as we get uh, uh, about a year out before the the actual general election. Um, so we, we will probably see a consolidation in the race. But again, I I think that um, it's still Donald Trump's to lose. I think he's a very strong uh, position. Um you know, Nikki Haley's having a bit of a moment, so she may be, you know, at least in uh, uh, New Hampshire, excuse me, she's uh, she's moved up a little bit and maybe in second place in, in New Hampshire. Um, so maybe she's emerging as a uh, um, as an alternative. Um, we'll see. But or as, um, a num- or as a number two. Possible. Um, I don't think the odds are heavily yeah. in her favor, um, but it's possible. Maybe we'll maybe maybe Pence will come on the podcast. I mean, we might be we might be down to that. Uh, you know, I I think we should send him an invitation and see how he responds. 
All right. Well, we'll Neil, take that. You Neil, if you don't ask, you don't get. That's true. That's true. And even if, well, and even if you ask, you might not get, but you're right. You, 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 you miss, what is it? What did Michael Jordan say? You miss every shot that you don't take. There you go. So um, I'll take that as my to-do, Brian, um, for the next podcast. The invitation stands. Um, all right, Brian. Well, I guess we're out of time. There was a lot to cover today. I think we we hit on a, a bunch. So thanks as always for your time. Thank you, Neil. And thanks to everybody for listening. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks with another episode of Potomac Perspective. Take care. <laughs>